You're listening to Travel Talk Weekly with Rob and Carrie Stewart, travel experts, authors, and TV hosts. Join them every Tuesday as they take you to amazing destinations all over the globe. Whether it's cruising the seven seas, exploring Europe, or being pampered at an all-inclusive resort, Travel Talk Weekly is your passport to the world. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Travel Talk Weekly. This is show number 65, original air date, January 5th, 2021. And as Flash just mentioned, we are your passport to the world. And if you're like most people, you are ready to travel in 2021 to go somewhere, actually anywhere. And for the month of January, we're sharing 31 getaways, and hopefully you'll be inspired to get a trip on the books to a new and exciting place in 2021. Yeah, so we'll be posting all of those on our Instagram account. So definitely go and check those out. And you know, I do know that travel can be very intimidating if you only go on one trip a year, especially now, especially now. And there is a reason why a lot of people keep going back to the same place year after year. And it's because it is comfortable. It feels familiar to you. I know that we went to Dubrovnik, Croatia, the very first time, we're kind of walking around with our mouths open and staring at everything. And the next time or two we went back, we're like, oh, hey, we're going to go back to this place. And you kind of have your your go-tos. Yeah, you're definitely a little more comfortable when you go back. Our challenge for you in 2021 is to plan an epic trip somewhere. Even if it won't be until 2022, it's always fun to try something new. For example, next year. Or this year. <laughs> Actually, it is this year. You're right. Is, yeah. Oh my gosh. I can't believe it's already 2021. Uh, this year for Christmas and New Year's, we will be in New Zealand with yeah. Adventures by Disney. And that's something that we put on the books in the spring of 2020. And we, we didn't even plan our wedding and honeymoon that far out. I know, right? And we have said this before, is when you travel, travel will change you and change you for the good. Because when you get out of your home country, and primarily most people that listen to the show are in the US, you get to meet new people. But what's really cool is you get to learn about different cultures and see some of the most beautiful places in the world. I was following somebody on Instagram who recently was traveling to Rwanda. And that's not a place that I had on my list. But I was looking at everything and his comments were just like, this is the most beautiful country ever. And I'm like, never thought about it that way. So get out of your comfort zone and try to pick a new place that you can just go out and meet new people and see new things. And on that topic, how about how about trying something completely new and learning a new language? That's a fun way to get ready for a big trip. For I, was, sure. I was looking back on 2020. I'm like, you know, if I just took 15 or 20 minutes a day that I was not on like Facebook and Instagram, social media, whatever, if I spent 15 or 20 minutes a day using a free app called Duolingo to just learn Italian, I'd be conversational right now. I, I can read some of it and I can... You do pretty good. I can figure out, you know, I can figure out enough of it, but to have a conversation in Italian, I'm just not there yet. I'm like, wow, where could I have been if from, you know, March through now, I just got up and spent 15 minutes a day. And that's not even a New Year's resolution. I started this a week or so ago, so right before the new year. And it's something that I, I really enjoy. I get up, I do my Italian, I feel like I've accomplished something for the day. But imagine going to a country, Spain, France, Italy, Germany, doesn't matter, Africa, you know, one of the countries in Africa, and knowing Maybe not how to speak it conversationally, but at least knowing some of the phrases. Because what I found is when we travel, the locals get we don't know their language, but if we at least attempt, it's like, okay, I know, you tried, and that's really cool. Um, Don't worry, I speak English. But the fact that you're trying 
shows that you're really trying to be a little more immersed into their culture. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that idea. I, I should probably start picking that up with you. That would be great. Now, if you aren't sure where you want to go, a great place to start is think about a place you may have read about or saw in a movie or a TV show and just learn more about that. I know that Croatia became a huge travel destination because of Game of Thrones. Yep. And coincidentally enough, New Zealand, where we're going later this year, became hugely popular because of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings movies. Yeah. And, you know, it is a good place if you're like, I don't know where I want to go, but you'll have some sense of familiarity because you're like, I've seen this place. So you have a little bit of knowledge about it. There are just so many beautiful places to visit all over the world. And so to kick off January 2021, this month on each show, we are going to share a destination for you to consider to plan a trip to. And of course, over on our Instagram, we'll have 31 for the month of January, but we're going to focus on four key places this month. So hopefully you are subscribed to this podcast so that you can every single Tuesday, we call it Travel Tuesday, learn about this new destination. This week, we're talking about a place that is one of the most popular travel destinations in the world. And also one that we happened to fall in love with the very first time we visited there on our honeymoon in 2009. And we love this city because it's easy to get to. It is full of culture. It is full of art, great food, shopping, and it's also comfortable if you don't speak the local language. It also happens to be the founding city of the watch that I happen to be wearing right now. It's an Italian watch and the brand is Panerai. It was founded in this city in 1860 and that is Florence, Italy, or as it's known to the Italians, Firenze. We first visited back in 2009 on our honeymoon and we really didn't have any expectations, but in hindsight, I wish I would have read a little bit more or learned a little bit more about Florence before we went. I mean, we had a great trip and we, you know, we took in some tours and we did some really great things. I just wish we would have done just a little bit more of homework for our first visit, but we had a great time. And it's our goal in the next maybe three to five years to maybe not live there full time, but at least live a part of the year in Florence. And while there is a lot to do outside the city, because this is the Tuscan region, and so there's lots of wineries and cool places to go and visit, for this show, we're going to stay right focused in the city. So just like right in the heart of Florence. And don't worry, there is plenty for you to love under the Tuscan sun. (laughs) Yes, there is. (laughs) (laughs) So you can enjoy Florence in three to four days. You can see most, not all of it, but enough to know It was enough for us to know we really wanted to come back, and not for a few days, but for like a few months at a time. Here's a little bit of history. Florence was the center of medieval European trade and finance and one of the wealthiest cities of that era. It's considered by most people to be the birthplace of the Renaissance. It's also been called the Athens of the Middle Ages. At one point, it was ruled by the Medici family, and there are still some really awesome places to see that the Medici family would go to, like the church where they had their own balcony or a secret passage over the Ponte Vecchio Bridge. Yeah, and for a long time, well, in like 1865 to 1871, Florence was the capital of the Kingdom of Italy. A lot of people don't know that. 
And yes, like all the places in Italy, they have their own dialect, even though they all speak Italian. But this is the Florentine dialect. And I find that really interesting that in Italy, they all kind of have like the Romans, they have theirs, you have the Sicilians, you have the Venetians, and then you have the Florentines, and they're very proud of their cities. Cities are very important in Italy. I would say it's similar to maybe different accents you have around the U.S. You have the southern accent, except Florida. That's not officially part of the right. south. <laughs> you have, you know, the... The New Yorkers. You have the northeast accent. You've got the Midwest. Um, it's just a little more pronounced here. It's different because yeah. they also use different words. Florentine Italian is going to be slightly different than Roman Italian and very much different than Venetian Italian. But this city attracts millions and millions of tourists each and every year. Except for last year. Except for 2020. (laughs) And UNESCO declared the historic center of Florence a World Heritage Site in 1982. And one of the things that you definitely can enjoy when you visit Florence is all of the Renaissance art and architecture. There's lots of monuments. You have museums, art galleries. And yeah, you're, if you're into art and culture and even politics, just because the history behind the Medici family that kind of was in charge of Florence for a long time, it's pretty cool. And they were the region's bankers at the time. Yeah, Although technically were. back in the day, it wasn't called Italy, but you know. Now, one of the things that Florence is also very well known for is the Italian fashion. And so I know Milan gets a lot of, a lot of coverage for being a, a very um, shopping centric and fashion place, but Florence does as well. If you are going to plan a trip to Florence, number one, talk to us first because we can help you out. Here are some things to make sure you put on the list. And number one is let's start with the food and one specific food item that they are known for, and that is the Florentine steak. And I remember we were going over there and not on our first trip, but probably on our second or third when we were going to film there, the Italian tour company we were working with said, okay, in Florence, make sure we're going to have one night and you're just going to experience the Florentine steak. I'm like, yeah, you know, we got filet mignon over here. You know, we have some nice steak houses. And he just kind of laughed. He goes, you have no idea, which I didn't. Had I looked it up, I would have been, oh, you got to be kidding me. Because when we were there, the Florentine steak is gigantic. It was probably at least two inches thick. Oh, if not more. <laughs> it was so big. It would have covered <laughs> probably the, an entire American-sized dinner plate. It wasn't like a T-bone or a strip steak or a little filet. This thing was a mountain of meat. And we experienced this at a restaurant called Cucina Torchicota. And there was no way. It was so funny because, we, you know, we're used to sharing meals anyway. We knew we weren't going to get two steaks. This thing was so big that we actually asked our driver, who was our escort, to come join us and please help us eat the steak. I know. And, you know, the Italians are pretty fit people. And I could not believe how much food he could consume because the portion of the steak was just huge. Of course, we had a beautiful charcuterie board. I mean, there was great food. But the Florentine steak is definitely something to enjoy when you go to Florence. Now, one of the things that I love about this city is that you can stay at a hotel right in the city and pretty much everywhere is walkable. Well, that's why they stay in shape is because they're walking everywhere. Yeah. So a couple of other things to enjoy when you visit the city. Of course, you've got to go to the Uffizi. Did I say that right? Uffizi, yes. Uffizi. You did good. (laughs) You have to go and visit this place because it is so amazing. And I remember the first time we went there, we've been there a couple of times, and the first time we went there, our guide, because there are more masterpieces of artwork than any place that I've ever been. And I remember he said, okay, 
there are, you know, probably thousands of paintings here. And he said, we are going to see just 12 of them. And you're going to look at me like, whoa, but you know. There are thousands here. Yeah. And he said, in order for you to really enjoy the artwork, you need to really just focus on certain pieces. So we saw all the ones that they called the most important. And it was a great way to experience this museum. And I recommend if you go, do not do a self-guided tour. Get a local tour guide who can take you through and really tell the story behind some of these paintings. It's worth every dollar, or in this case, euro. Yeah, exactly. But that's something that is huge and a must-do. Florence also happens to be home to probably the most famous marble statue in the world, and that is Michelangelo's David. That's another must-see, a must-do location, and that is at the Galleria dell'Accademia. Now, you could do both of the the gallery, and go see the Statue of David in one day, but they are on opposite ends of the city. So that's something important to note. And of course, you cannot miss the Duomo, the cathedral, and you can actually climb to the top of it. And that's the most recognizable building in Florence and the entire Tuscan region. Yeah, very, very popular. And you don't, I mean, you can go inside of it, you can get a ticket, do a tour, climb to the top, or you can just walk around the outside of it very beautiful. One of my favorite things is a lot of the hotels that you can stay at in Florence have a rooftop where you can go up and just hang out. And I remember on our honeymoon, the hotel that we were in, we went up to the rooftop and we had like a bottle of wine and we were watching old movies. On a laptop. On a laptop. And it was just something that was so cool because you look across the city, you can see that Duomo depending upon where you're at. On our most recent visit to Florence, we stayed at what I think is one of the coolest hotels in Florence, and that is the Brunelleschi Hotel. It's also where the fictional character Robert Langdon, played by Tom Hanks, stayed uh, in the movie Da Vinci Code. And they have an area at the bottom, kind of like a miniature museum in what we would call the basement here in the U.S., And the foundations down there are from the first century. And it's amazing that, number one, they're still standing and the fact that we can visit them. I remember we were sitting outside the hotel and we were just sitting out having like lunch and a couple drinks. A couple adult beverages, yes. And there were tour groups that were walking through Florence. And because of the history behind Hotel Brunelleschi, they were stopping and, you know, the tour guide was like talking about the hotel. It is, I mean, again, This is an older city, so there's some really, really cool things to see. But I would definitely, when you're choosing a hotel, the central location in the city, because you don't need to have a car to get around. You can walk anywhere, but find one that has something unique. And, you know, that rooftop or just some really cool views is something that you and I both enjoyed. Other places on the not-to-miss list when traveling to Firenze. The Ponte Vecchio Bridge, very famous. It, it, it goes across the Arno River, and there are shops that have been there for hundreds of years, usually like jewelry and leather shops. Lots of gold. Lots of gold, and that's the bridge you, you would walk across to get over to the Boboli Gardens. That's also where you'll find Pitti Palace, and it is beautiful over there. Again, this is why you get a guide who can walk you through and explain the history behind all of these sites. And we learned a lot from our guide, Laura, who is also our Facebook friend now, which is really cool, so we can reach out to her when we have questions. And again, that's the difference is when you go to a new city like this is go to someone who's a local, not someone who is you know from the U.S. and happens to live there. Find you know a native Florentine or a Roman or a Venetian 
so they can really show you their own hometown. Yeah, it makes a big difference. A really fun place to go and experience when you are in Florence is they have this little marketplace area. It's big. It's not little. It's It's big. It's really big, but this is where the locals will go and they'll hang out. You can go and you know, just kind of do a little food shopping all over the place. But I really enjoyed just a relaxing afternoon, checking out things. You can do some shopping, have some great food. And I mean, this is just, it's marketplace. It's kind of cool. Another must do on the food list is you must have an Italian gelato, which sounds, which sounds really fancy. It's basically just the Italian word for ice cream. It just sounds so much cooler in Italian. (laughs) Well, but it's not as milky as ice cream. I like gelato better. That is true. Another thing, in in not just in Florence, but in Italy in general, in that whole region, people dine very late in the evening. Yes. If if you're hungry, if you're a typical American and you're going out to eat at like 6 or 7 o'clock, believe me, they know you're American because Italians don't eat until like 9 or 10 at night. Yeah, it's definitely later. But the food is something you absolutely want to make sure that you plan and go to some really cool places. So there were a couple places that we went. And one of them was a it was like they specialized in fish. And so every dish was it had some octopus. And there were I mean, just like lots of different it was ones like little works of art on a plate that we could eat. Yes, it was. And that one was called De Pescatori Casa de Cucina. Did I say that right? You I'm did. still working you on did. My, No, you're doing yeah. great. You're doing great. <laughs> and then this other place that we ate at had a rooftop overlooking the city. So it was across the bridge on the other side, and the views were completely designed so that you could sit up there and just enjoy views of the city as the sun went down. Which we did. And because on this particular on this particular evening, we were filming on behalf of the restaurant. So they had a receiving line for us, a special table set aside. And we had the most incredible views of Florence from across the Arno River. And I would say this is hands down the best restaurant we've ever been to in that region. I'm not going to compare it to going to the restaurant by Gondola in Venice, but as far as the views, there was nothing better than this. And the name of this particular restaurant is La Loja del Piazzale Michelangelo. And the views, again, especially after the sun went down and the city kind of lit up, it was a postcard moment. Yeah, it was really, really good. And the food was amazing. What I love is the chefs over in Florence are so proud of the craft that they do. Everything is like a work of art when it gets delivered to your plate. It's like, I almost don't want to eat this because it looks so, so pretty. Which, of course, we took pictures of everything. Yes, we did. We have pictures and video, and it was fantastic. Another thing we like about Florence, and especially being in the Tuscan region, is that it's only a short drive to the village of Siena. It's one of the places we visited on our honeymoon, but also Siena was made famous by the James Bond movie Quantum of Solace. Yeah, they have a very famous scene in the beginning where they're doing the horse race, which they still do. The polio. Yes. And I mean, Siena is just beautiful. There's lots of little places if you want to take a day trip out of Florence. But you could really stay all in Florence. Now, to get there, you can fly straight into Florence. Or what most people do is they will fly either into Rome or Venice, and it will be one of their stops as they make their way either up or down the cities, like the what we call the big three of Italy. Which also brings up another really amazing thing about not just Italy, but Europe in general, is you can pretty much get everywhere by high-speed train. And what an amazing way to see the countryside. I'd like it way better than flying because you can get from Rome to Italy in about you know 90 minutes, maybe two hours. And then from Florence to Venice, 
you know, another 90 minutes, two hours. Or you can take a different train and go up to Milan. You can go south from Rome, down to Naples and the Amalfi Coast. And it's very affordable. Yeah, it's actually a really fun way to experience Italy. So if you've never been to Florence, we encourage you to put this on maybe your future vacation. And I think that as travel and international travel starts opening up, Italy is definitely going to be one of the most popular. A lot of people, this is on like their top three for bucket list trips is to go to Italy. It's number one on my list of where to live. I know, right? That's how much we love it. And we love the people there. And yeah, I'm excited to go back. I mean, they have in this region, they're known for their Chianti wine, which I love. Yes, you do. And yeah, so there's always something to find, whether you're looking for that culture, maybe you just want to do some fun shopping, they have lots of leather items there. Um, If you're into, like we said, the food, the Boboli Gardens, the museums, there really is something for everybody here in Florence. That brings me to another point is maybe Italy isn't your thing. It happens to be ours. Maybe it's not yours. Maybe yours is Spain or France or Germany. And I would also encourage you, if you do have a place that you want to visit, to learn a little bit about the history behind that city or that location. Because then when you do go to visit, you're going to recognize and see things on maybe why the city was built the way that it was, or maybe some of like the very important monuments that you're going to see as you walk around, especially over in Europe, because those countries are way older than anything in yeah, the they're U.S. Like a, they're multiple years older than the U.S., at least a <laughs> yeah, few. Yeah, exactly, for sure. And when it comes to Europe, probably the foremost expert on the U.S. side when it comes to Europe is Rick Steves. And we actually have several of his guidebooks. And I think when it comes to Europe, those are the best guidebooks. So if you're going to pick any country in Europe, you know, go to Rick Steves. You can look them up on the Internet and just buy one of his guidebooks, you know, 15, 20 bucks, whatever they are. And he'll even show you some self-guided tours, but I will say for the more immersive experience, get a local guide. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully you're kicking off your year inspired to get a trip on the books to travel somewhere. And as always, if we can help you or the Crady Magic Vacations agent that referred this show to you, please reach out to them. And here's my favorite travel quote. The world is a book and those who do not travel only read a page. And when it comes to 2020, a lot of people didn't even open the book. So get out there and travel. We can't wait to help you get back to the vacation. Thanks for listening.